Once upon a time, there was a little boy called Howard who loved writing stories. Little Howard dreamed of being a writer And so he sat down to every nighter But everything he wrote was fucking shite, yeah wubba dubba do wubba dubba do Was writer in the world 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 Welcome to the worst writer in the world with me, Rufus, and he's throwing tyres on himself in a scrapyard. It's... Ooh, how long? A.K.A. Super Long. <laughs> Thank you to the British Comedy Guide for hosting this show. Thank you to you for listening to it. You know, you're all right. Thank and you. thanks to, most of all, thanks to every single one of all of our lovely, mm. lovely patrons on Patreon who just keep stuffing money in us to make more. Yes. Let's get started, shall we? Yes, please. So, Mr. Howard, I have opened one of your school books. Oh, cheeky. This one says English, Mr. Cotton, Ray. to see. Or not to see, that is the question. I'll tell you what's weird. I, I want to tell you this because I don't want you to be disappointed when we get to the end. Okay. Um, I've said before that Mr. Cotton did did not mark your stuff very well. Yeah. But this one, he, he just didn't mark. Like, there's no <laughs> comments. There's no <laughs> score at the end. There's no tick. He usually at least gives you, at least gives you a tick. And to put this in context, immediately before this is Smith and the Gate. <gasps> wow. So uh, the, you may remember that one yeah, about do. going for a race down in the sewers I do and remember. drilling. Yes, there was my peak. So this could be like this could maybe be this great, is yeah. this might be the peak. I thought Smith and the Gate was, was was my peak, but now I hear that there's something after, directly after it, and Mr. Cotton's not even bothered to grade it. Then that's probably the best thing I ever did. He, well, maybe it's because it was too good. He's mm. like, well, I can't not give this twenty out of yeah. twenty. But also, I have promised to myself never, never. to give Howard <laughs> more than nineteen. So yeah, so it's like Pavlov's um, grade. In what way? <laughs> well. Wow. Because because when you ring a bell, Mr. Cotton gives you 19 out of 20. Okay, Schrodinger. <laughs> Schrodinger, Pavlov, they're both names. They're both names. Well, they're both like names that begin with a letter towards the rear of the alphabet. Pavlov, Pavlov, of course, puts put two dogs in a box, and when he rang a bell, one of them died. But he didn't know which one, so he opens the box. I can only keep so many like um, scientists in my head at any one time. <laughs> this is Pavlov's grade. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, because he always gave you nine out of twenty. It does mm. seem like like the the trigger was it wasn't a bell. It the trigger was just seeing your name on the mm. piece of writing, and Mr. Cotton immediately gave you nine out of twenty. Clearly without without reading it we've already established that he did not read your writing mm -hmm. we have in fact we have already established that mr cotton was a pavlovian teacher in that he was one of the dogs not that he was Pavlovian. He right one he's one of the dogs because he didn't mm -hmm. read he didn't evaluate he didn't mark things he just went howard 19 out of 20 robert zero out of 20 yeah <laughs> alf 20 out of 20 i've seen their beans i know their social class that was those were his 
Those were his yeah. triggers, and he always had the same response. You ring a bell, the dog wants food. Mm. You tell Mr. Cotton it's by Howard, it gives you 19 out of 20. <laughs> so even though you said it by accident, I think it's more accurate than saying something about Schrodinger, which I don't think was going to make any sense. Because it makes sense. Of course it makes sense. It's Schrodinger's grade, because it's like... Go on then, explain. Well, it remains ungraded. It's like the box is, uh, is, is closed. It's like if you open it, then you're going to find out Something I don't know. I don't really know what Schrodinger well, was talking I mean, about, but yeah, um, but, the but in this instance, it's like um, <laughs> if he'd graded it and I'd have got twenty out of twenty, then that, uh, then I would have got twenty out of twenty. But I'm not allowed to. I don't know. I don't know. And I so feel like, like so he did. So the possibility is I was awarded twenty out of twenty for it, but there's no way of ever knowing it. Just like Pavlov's so, what you're saying is because the wave because because the waveform hasn't collapsed because no one opened the box. Yeah, you are simultaneously getting twenty out of twenty and nineteen out of twenty yes, for this. this story. That's what I meant. Okay. But like you know, but I couldn't say any of those things. All right, so this story, this unmarked story... 20 out of 20. ...is called... Yeah, well, yeah, which I'm going to give 20 out of 20. Well, let's, no, let's let's read it first and then decide. Well, well you this can is, grade This it. is when we open the box. Yeah, I'm an English teacher. This is where we finally open the box and find out what score it gets. Hmm. All right, I'm going to get my red pen out. Hang on. Okay, got my red pen ready mm. to... Oh, oh, no, I've written zero. Oh, no. <laughs> no. I couldn't stop myself. The box is open. I've written zero. No, it's okay. I haven't so you really. You can stick a two on the front of that anytime you like. No, sorry, it's done. <laughs> I wrote it in letters. I wrote Z-E-R. Seriously, though, it's not been graded and you are a teacher, so if you want to grade it at yeah. the end, uh, let's see. No, I will. I will. You don't, me don't, don't just give me zero because you're mean or anything. No, I'll, I'll evaluate it, and I'll try and I'll try, I'll try and um, use Mr. Cotton's grading system, <laughs> whereby <laughs> by giving it nineteen, yeah. <laughs> no, actually, no, not exactly, because I'll try and pretend Mr. Cotton was actually reading your work. Mm. And honestly thought that your other writing was of a 19 out of 20 quality. And I'll I'll compare it to the quality of other pieces of writing we've read. Yeah, yeah, and if it's the same, mm-hmm, I'll give it... Mm-hmm. If it's the same, I'll have to give it 19 out of 20. Yeah. If it's worse, obviously I'm going to have to give it less than 19 out of 20. But if it is better, mm-hmm. specifically than Smith and the Gate, which got Ooh. 19... Right. If it's better than Smith and the Gate, it's getting yeah. twenty, maybe more than twenty. Right, okay. That's all well, we need. just like to draw your attention to if you if you look behind me there, you might see a can of Waitrose beans, um, Mr. Penzance. So <laughs> oh, well, take that into consideration. Ah, I see you are trying to influence my grading mm. with your Waitrose beans. <laughs> well, we will see. Okay. So this story is called the Necklace. Ooh. You were doing quite simple titles. Um, back here because actually we called the episode Smith and the Gate but actually it's called Smith that's the best title I've ever had though when I saw that title written down in the Dropbox Smith and the Gate I thought that's a really good title then I found out I didn't write that title (laughs) no that was me Mm. (laughs) yeah the one before Smith and the Gate was the mystery of the locked room what was the mystery there that, that it wasn't was a it, gorilla. It was a gorilla. It wasn't a gorilla. So. There was a man locked in a room, and then a maid let him out, and then he turned out to be a murderer. Right? That was that was confusing. The, the only oh, thing that's I remember it. There was about no, the mystery. There was, yeah, the mystery of the locked room was there was no mystery of a locked room. Yeah, that was the... <laughs> there was a locked room, but no mystery. Mm. <laughs> yeah, the thing I remember about mystery of the locked room is murders in the room org. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is a di- which is a different story. Well, that was a. Uh... That was quite a monumental occasion in your life then, because you hadn't heard of um, the murders in the room morgue before then, apparently. No, I hadn't. I hadn't. Never read it. Yeah, <laughs> I read it because you told me about it. Mm-hmm. I had no idea there was a, a like one of the the original de- like detective stories that was about a gorilla shoving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I still can't quite believe uh, it's true. 
If only that's what they'd taken from it. <laughs> yeah. If, 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 if just sp- instead of spurning, spurning, spawning, instead of spawning um, lots and lots of um, stories about detectives solving things, if it spawned lots and lots of stories about monkeys shoving people up chimneys, that would be brilliant. Yeah. And that would be that a would genre be so now. So much better. All right. And the two main characters are called Henri and Mathilde. So I'm going to have to wow. use a particular kind of voice for them, okay? Mm. So it starts with. Live it till morning, said Henri. I can't, shouted Mathilde. I won't be able to sleep. Henri left the room and returned with their coats. Okay, he said. Come with me, I've had an idea. What's going on? Um, basically, <laughs> leave what till morning? Henri said, leave it till morning. Mathilde what? can't, she won't be able to sleep if they leave it. So they've got their coats, and Henry. Henri what do says, we think that is? Me. Like she needs to take a shit or something, and he's like, oh, you can't <laughs> wait till the morning. She's like, no, I won't be able yeah. to sleep. I will poo the bed. I'll just. <laughs> and then I'm not going to be able to sleep because lying in all the shit, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, leave it till morning. It's like feed the cat. Putting the bins out. Yeah. Feed the cats. No, don't leave, yeah, exactly. Um, yes. Bins probably because that's like something bins. you'd be like, no, I can do that in the morning. It's like, whoa, if we get up too late, I'm going to miss don't it. Don't worry about your bins. They are good enough. Mr. Cotton is not coming round till Saturday. We'll get better. We'll get better bins before. No, no, I did not mean my bins. I meant my <laughs> bins. <laughs> I've got to put the bins out. No, don't need to put the bins out. People already... Okay, if someone wants to come round and judge us on our bins, they're going to have to knock on the door and come inside. Don't put the bins out to show everyone. I want to put the bins out so everyone can see how posh we are with my waitress bins. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so that, I mean, that would be a good thing. What we should all start doing. In fact, let's start, let's try and start a new, a new um, yeah. British habit right yeah. now. A new cultural, cultural moment <laughs> where before you go to bed at night, Right, every like I don't know, choose a day in the week. You'd have to do it every day, but one day a week, you put your beans out, mm. right, <laughs> on your on your front window sill or on a wall if you've got one, where in front of your house, so everyone can see how posh you are. Right, you put all of them out because I think quantity is also important. Some like quantity, not that not that lots of beans means posh, because maybe one tin of very posh beans is better than like. 20 tins of super cheap beans because buying in bulk is also a poor person thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, so yeah, people yeah. can people can judge you based on your beans, but only if you put them out. And then you can walk down your street on Wednesday night or whenever you've decided everyone puts their beans out yeah. and you can decide who is posh and who isn't. <laughs> well, the really, the really beans. posh beans will be put out by posh people and their beans won't have an easily openable lid. So all the poor people who are walking by who are hungry and don't have any food still won't be able to yeah. eat the beans and that will be like the, and the, the rich people will be laughing going ha, ha, ha. Yeah. you can steal my beans if... but you can never eat them <laughs> as, I've, as I've often said I think when you get to a certain level of richness tinned beans is not a thing <laughs> so what you really know is when you're walking down the street in the really big house at the end of the street right the really huge house at the end no beans you're like oh god that's too posh for beans Oh my god! I don't know if you got to Richard Pryor's house, there'd probably be some like um, string beans, runner beans, that kind of thing. Richard Pryor, Pryor's not Richard Pryor because Richard Pryor, famously posh uh, bean owner. Um, yeah, no, the Richard Pryor's mm. and where he lives with Felicity Kendall, you mean? Yes, homegrown beans. That's a, that's another thing as well, isn't it? But then you've got to judge those beans on how posh is this person? Are they doing it out of a kind of desperate necessity, or are they just fairly wealthy middle class people who've 
decided to get themselves a sitcom <laughs> and need a, <laughs> need a USP, you know. <laughs> what, what are we dealing with? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, Matilda can't sleep if they leave it till morning, so they've gone to get their coats, and Henri says, come with me, I've got an idea. Oh, I've got an idea. Hmm. The doll maker's shop was just closing when they arrived. The doll maker's shop. Wow, she can't sleep unless they do something doll based. <laughs> but they managed to get inside. <laughs> what? They elbowed their way. It was just closing. They said, get out of my way. I'm coming in your shop, whether you like it or not. I'm coming in your shop. Yeah. I thought it was closed, like they broke in. No, just closing. Like they were pulling the, the shutters down, but then they, they Indiana Jones under the shutters and then, I'm in your shop now. <laughs> Got to sell me doll things. <laughs> My wife can't sleep if she doesn't get a doll thing before <laughs> before Betty Bass. <laughs> so, um, but they managed to get inside. It was painted green inside and out. Good bit of detail there. 10 out of 10. Thank you. And it. Clashed violently with the red leather settee in one corner. Wow, really going for it. All right, so then the uh, the shopkeeper says, So, you want just a necklace, no doll. Well, you've come to the wrong place then, because this is a doll <laughs> shop. We don't sell necklaces. Henri was on the verge of going mad. Really? Well, I keep the doll jewellery and clothes in the back room. Come with me. Why is Henri going mad? I don't understand. Are we Are we to take it that... That like they've been there already for half an hour when the scene picks picks up again and like and he's been said oh, I need a necklace. What do you mean? Do you want a doll? No, I mean I would like a necklace for a doll. You mean you'd like a necklace on a doll? No, yeah. just uh, without the doll around the <laughs> without the doll inside the necklace. Well, I yeah. want the necklace, but with no doll inside it. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. you want the doll outside of the necklace then? No, no. I do not want the doll, mm. but I'm a doll maker. Yes, but you also do the clothes, right? You can do me <laughs> one of the. You can do me an accessory. They are attached to the dolls. <laughs> They're painted on. Yeah. Amazing, said Matilde. Perfect, said Henri. Do you want it? <laughs> asked the doll maker. <laughs> Amazing little dialogue exchange there. Do you want it? Asked the doll maker, struggling the words out. Yeah, struggling those words out. Why is he struggling the words out? He was old, you see. Oh, okay. Fair and enough. old old people can't talk. Yeah, clearly. They're famous old people are famous for not talking much. <laughs> <laughs> he was old, you see. Grey hair and moustache, horn-rimmed spectacles. You know the sort. <laughs> You know, old people, how they all have horn-rimmed spectacles on. <laughs> they arrived back at the house, smiling. OK. She'll never notice the difference, began Matilde. Ah, uh, OK. And for just a half franc as well. And just and for just a half franc. Now, you've you've crossed out. Here you said, and for just tuppence as well. But you've you've crossed out tuppence because you remembered, I guess, that yeah, you're writing about French people. Yeah, smart me. Ah, Ah, Frank. And at 11 o'clock in the morning, Madame Madame Forestier arrived for dinner. Matilda had invited her round. They had a good time. (laughs) Did they play Lego, did they, and James Bond? (laughs) They played the jibber game. (laughs) (laughs) They had a good time. And... The jibber game, right? I mean, just because we may know... I, I have no idea w- w- 
like w- what the history of us mentioning the jibber game is. But Howard, uh, like, do we have any idea what the jibber game was? I mean, we know it was something you. In- it was a board game you invented. Mm-hmm. But I mean, maybe maybe our listeners don't realise that you were a prolific board game inventor when you were a child, Correct. weren't you? I remember. Correct. I remember regularly coming to your house and you'd be like, I've invented a board game, let's play it. And we would, and they would work. Yeah. Like they would they would invariably like they wouldn't necessarily be amazing, but they were I, like I remember enjoying them. Mm. But I think inventing a board game that actually functions is not an easy thing for a young child to do, but you did it regularly. Yeah. For the most part they were capitalist board games. I think I yes. learned I learned a lot from a lot of the other board games Monopoly. I played, Monopoly and yeah. like um, one of the co- things about the jibber game was it had secret um, special paths you could take. So they had the main thing around the side, but then also like if you landed on a particular square and then you rolled a, a, a good dice score, you could then go through special trails where, where you'd get more okay. money and better stuff. And that okay. was the jibber game. And you um, could take a jibber card, obviously. <sighs> Pick up a jibber card. And what? firstly, what was the objective? Was it just to get money? <laughs> Probably, yeah. I mean, okay. it's impossible to kind of like... Um, imagine what it was about since it was called the jibber game with with something like with something like monopoly you can kind of like get an idea of it. Yeah. game of life you gotta, okay you're trying to get kind a of monopoly. understand what yeah. it is yeah payday go i understand broke. yeah go yeah, for broke the, oh, we'll lose it's the, in the name yeah. yeah jibber game i don't know it could be anything <laughs> so you don't know what the jibber cards were move forward two squares Collect ten pounds because you won a beauty contest, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they had a good time. They played the jibber game and talked, and talked about the old days. And before she left, Matilde handed her the necklace, and she went. Phew, oh. said Henry and Matilda in chorus. Okay, so Matilda, phew. That night. Mm-hmm. The front door knocker went. <laughs> Where'd it go? Doesn't say where it went. <laughs> and Henri answered it. All right, so someone come to the door and I notice that it says um, a man wearing a coach driver's cap. So, hi, said a man wearing a coach driver's cap. Why is that, Dennis Quaid? No, it's because of Rafe Dix. Ah. Hi, blokes, I'm a coach driver. I've got my 32 coaches outside and I'm driving them to Portugal. <laughs> Hi, said a man wearing a coach driver's cap. You're the man, aren't you? <laughs> Me? No, my husband is the man. No, it's, it's Henri who answered the door. Okay. Right? So that night, that night, someone came to the door. A co- man wearing a coach driver's cap said, Hi, you're the man, aren't you? <laughs> Do you have a wife? Oh. This is so weird. Do you have a wife? I think that you've made the wrong voice choice for the coach driver. I think we would understand the coach driver much better if he was like, oh, you're the man one, aren't you? Okay. Because like he's a robot from outer space and he doesn't know the difference between sexes, but he thinks that this is the man. All right, I'll try it again. Hello, said a man, a man wearing a coach driver's cap mm. so that you couldn't see the wires coming out of his head. Yes, there it is. You're, a, you're the man, aren't you? <laughs> Am I right in thinking that you're the male one of the species? <laughs> and, I, and you're not the feline, feline. of the species? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're the man, aren't you? Do you have a wife? Henri nodded. He seemed to recognise the coach driver. Because he looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? That's yeah. What, that's what that story's about. Have I seen you in a movie where you are a, a policeman but at a nursery school? I feel yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. why I've seen you doing that. 
<laughs> have you ever been to Mars? <laughs> I, I, I can't say for sure. I think I think I have. But, <laughs> but, you know, it's always possible that I was just dreaming. <laughs> so he seemed to recognise the coach driver. Uh, Mathilde, there is a gentleman here to see you. At least he says he's a gentleman, but he has got wires coming out from under his coach driver's cap and he looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger and he's got the big metal hand. So, so I don't know if maybe he's a robot from could space. could be a gentle robot. Uh... <laughs> could be a robot man. Who knows? Could be all kinds of things. He's got a big gun. <laughs> he yeah, wants, yeah. wants to see you, though, not me. He just murdered my cat. <laughs> <laughs> he says his father's name is Gunnigan and Nikitana. I'm starting to think maybe he's not human. He keeps calling me Henri, Henri, not Henri. That's not my name, Henri. So, uh, Matilda, there is a gentleman here to see you, he shouted. A few seconds later, Matilda emerged from the kitchen. Hello, what? She said. <laughs> You're the pair, all right. <laughs> they both they both looked bemused. Reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? Last night, you had a lift in my coach. Oh. You know, last night you had a lift in my coach. And that necklace you gave me for payment was way too much. What the fuck? Didn't they? Okay, so the timing is weird because they go... The starts with leave it till morning, so it's definitely bedtime, right? Yeah. Then they go to a doll maker shop, which is just closing. Mm. So that is a late night doll maker shop. It's quite unusual, but it's def if, a, if a shop is closing, it's definitely evening, right? And then they arrived back at the house, smiling, and at eleven o'clock in the morning, mm. which I assume was the next morning. Yeah. But it, then it, I've re I just I realised I've just skated over this. It says at eleven o'clock in the morning, Madame Forestier arrived for dinner. <laughs> right <laughs> what's going on with the time here and they gave her the necklace that night the front door knocker went so it's got to be two days it's got to there's got to have been a, a day pass right yeah they got a necklace yeah, went the to weird bed, thing is that they had dinner at 11am woke up had their 11am dinner as usual as is normal in France <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> alright so um, the robot from space is just <laughs> saying um, that necklace you gave me for payment was way too much. I sold it today and it fetched what? a bomb. It fetched a bomb. <laughs> I'll have an eighth of the money and you can have the rest. He handed them a bag. <laughs> bag of cash. Said boy and left. Shit. All right, so Madame Forestier, I'm going to assume, is not French, right? So Madame Forestier, what was it you wanted to see me about? Asked Madame Forestier. Henri gulped. Why did he have to tell her? Well, began Hen began Henri. You know that uh, necklace you lent Mathilde? Mm. You remember how you lent Mathilde a doll's necklace? <laughs> you know, as a lend, as a normal thing for humans to do, right? <laughs> well, you know that necklace you lent Mathilde? Mm. Madame Forestier nodded. Well, er... Um, she lost it. Mm. Madame Forestier looked puzzled. You know, another just really normal thing you do when you get the bus, right? And you go, here, I'll have a necklace for payment, <laughs> Mr. Bus Driver. But she gave it to me only this morning mm. when I came round for dinner at 11 <laughs> You were there. Henri shook his head. No, I wasn't. You imagined me. <laughs> That's not what I mean. She lost 
your necklace and replaced it with a fake one, Madame Forestier began to giggle. That's what she did. Right, so imagine that for about five minutes. Yeah, I don't know. And then um, that's why Henri shouted. Uh, what? Shouted Henri with a frustrated look on his face. <laughs> What's so funny? Why are you giggling like blah, 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 blah for 10 minutes? What's going on? <laughs> Madame Forestier stopped laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Is that all? She asked. Yeah. It doesn't matter. The one I lent her mm-hmm. was a fake. Oh, wow. I got it from a doll shop. <laughs> Hence why it was so small and didn't fit around anyone's yeah. neck. <laughs> what about the money? Asked Matilde. Isn't it rightfully hers? Matilde's there. Or we've just I think, skipped I scenes now. I think maybe now. this is meant to be a. I okay. think there's no gap. There's just the next paragraph. But mm. I think yeah, I think what happened is he's gone home. forward in time. Mm. Yeah, Henri nodded. But he said, she said we can keep it. Wait, wait, wait. What, what, what did, what did, wait, what did Matilda say? Um, what about the money? Isn't it rightfully hers? Because they, the bus driver came round yeah. and gave them a big bag of money because it turned out the necklace was really expensive. Yeah. But then he went and said, we lost your necklace. She said, don't worry, it wasn't worth anything. It was yeah, a piece yeah, of crap. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, but they know it wasn't. They know it was actually valuable. Yeah. And, and Matilda's like, you know, well, isn't what we're doing morally wrong? Because we basically tricked an old woman and then stole money from her. <laughs> is yeah. that is that something we should be worried about? And well, Henri is like, no, I think it's fine. Do they did go and tell her? I mean, everyone in this story has kind of like come well, forward and said, "Hey, by the way, like like a cab driver." Seems, he was seems like, like you're going to agree with your young self because your morals have not progressed in any way <laughs> since you wrote this. Because uh, Matilde says, um, isn't, it, isn't, isn't it ratfully hers? Henri nodded. But, he said, she said we can keep it. They smiled at each other. Yippee! They suddenly <laughs> shouted and danced gleefully round the coffee table. Yeah. The end. <laughs> very poor show. <laughs> A very poor show. That's definitely, that's why he didn't mark it. He, he didn't have the, the heart to give me two out of 20. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the actual plot is this woman lent her a very fancy necklace that she believed to be worthless or was in fact worthless. She lost it or accidentally paid this cab driver it. Didn't like give it him and say, here's your payment. I haven't got any money on me at the moment. Would you take this million dollar necklace? They just put uh, put her hand in her, in her purse, yeah. pulled out the first thing she found, didn't look at it. Mm. Uh, she keeps doll necklaces in her, her borrowed doll necklaces in her purse. Yeah. Handed it to the coach driver. He's like... Uh, Oh, that's probably that's probably money. I don't know what money is because I'm a robot from space. Yeah. Okay, I'll go and spend it in the supermarket. And then he gets down the supermarket. Mm. They're like, uh, "No, this is a necklace." Yeah, you He's need like, to go to what? the. Well, where do I get? To the jeweler. Yeah, go to the pawn shop. Yeah. yeah. He's like, well, "How much money can I get for this?" And they're like, "A million pounds." Like, oh, is that a lot? Is that a lot? And, and, and they explain that it is. And he's like, oh, well, I'm a very moral robot from space. I better go and give seven eighths of this money <laughs> to yeah, the yeah, people yeah. who gave it to me because they seemed quite nice. Yeah. Little Howard dreamed of being a writer. And so we sat down to every night. But everything he wrote was fucking shite, yeah. Woman of a no. Woman of a no. Was writer in the world. Was writer in the world Was writer in the world
listening to this episode of The Worst Writer in the World, you are the real hero <laughs> of this episode. You, the listener. But I tell you what, you could be more of a hero if you went over to patreon.com slash manbycow and considered, just considered, you know, giving us $2 a month to keep making it. And in return, we give you an absolute load of extra audio entertainment, not just in the past, but also in the present and future as well. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye, Milk. Bye-bye, that Milk. He's a stupid, suck-ass, rubbish writer. Yeah.